It's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talking Ag Lane Nordland, for today's LaneCast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agriculture Conversation here on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. This recording is taking place during National FFA Week 2021. And for those of us that participated in ag education in our classrooms growing up in junior high or high school, and we're lucky enough to wear the blue corduroy jacket and be an FFA member, we have all had multiple individuals that have had a positive impact on our lives. And with it being FFA week, I thought it appropriate to catch up with my former state FFA advisor back about 10 years ago when I was a state FFA officer in the state of Montana. Mr. Bill Jimerson was a agriculture educator and FFA advisor for the majority of his career in Conrad, Montana, then later on becoming the state FFA advisor for the state of Montana. And as a state officer under Mr. Jimerson, you learned about all the geography and rivers of the state of Montana when you'd be going down the many roads and back roads of Montana. And I can tell you one thing, he taught me how to pack a vehicle when traveling with your entire FFA state officer team pretty dang well. But when we come back to our conversation, I'm going to dive in a little bit into the history of Bill Jimerson's career as an agriculture educator, an advocate for diversity and promotion of youth leadership, not only here in Montana, but across the nation. Don't go too far. We'll be back with a role model of mine, Mr. Bill Jimerson, right after this. As a Montana Farm Bureau member, you have access to a lot of valuable benefits. Now you can have your savings on the go with the Farm Bureau Member Benefits app. The app will show you where you can use your membership discounts with Granger, Case IH, Choice Hotels, John Deere, and more. Plus, with the app, your membership card is on your phone for easy access. It's free. Download the app today. Simply go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Farm Bureau Benefits app. Montana Farm Bureau, we care for the country. Well, friends, as we come back to today's podcast, uh, I'm honored to be joined by an, an individual that's had a big impact on my life uh, through FFA. And as I mentioned in our intro, it is National <coughs> FFA Week. And joining us is Mr. Bill Jimerson, who was my state FFA advisor 10 years ago here in Montana. He was also an ag educator in Conrad, Montana, before uh, before becoming the state FFA advisors and some other little careers in between retirement uh, from the high school then on the state association level but uh, Mr. Jimerson how are things uh, uh, just up the road from me here in Bozeman Montana in the Galton Valley for you today? Hey Eileen uh, no things are things are very good Molly and I are doing great here on this we live on a on the Carter farm here on uh, between Belgrade and Bozeman and we're living the dream, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, we're, we're making it way through the pandemic. We, we hopefully right. uh, can can uh, can come to the end of that here pretty soon once these vaccinations truly do roll out. And uh, again, it has impacted, you know, our lives. And, and I, I, I actually feel really bad for those FFA students out there that haven't uh, had the opportunity that, that I had in my high school and college years to participate almost every week or weekend throughout the school year yep. at some FFA event. And, um, and FFA means so much to, to everyone listening, whether they wore the blue and gold jacket, whether they uh, have volunteered with an event or an alumni or supporter, and uh, everyone has a unique FFA story. 
And uh, so, Mr. J, when, when you look at your career and passion <clears throat> for Ag Ed and FFA, when, when did you first think about, oh, I, I, I'm going to do ag education courses there in Lewistown, Montana? I guess, what was your introduction to FFA and, well, vocational education at the time? Well, yeah, I can just I can just tell you that that started with my dad. He was a uh, way back when when they homesteaded back down in the Salt Creek country north of Lewistown. He had uh, he had lived in 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 town. His his parents, my my grandparents, had bought a house in town so the kids could go to to high school in Lewistown. And so then when when uh, uh, my brothers and I, when we were uh, at the high school age, uh, you know, we lived pretty close to Winifred. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, uh, and so we had a we had a choice at that time. And uh, most of my cousins went to Winifred, but my dad corralled us one day and said, "You know, boys, I'm going to leave it up to you. Do you want to go to to Winifred and play sports?" Or do you want to go to Lewistown and get an education? And so <laughs> he, we we took his advice. And uh, since he had been in the FFA in, in Lewistown, that's that's what got me started. And then of course Mr. Schultz uh, was the advisor at Lewistown, and and he he directed me along the way of of uh, becoming a ag teacher, and and so that's the the route I took. And maybe could you talk a little more more about Mr. Schultz? Uh, he obviously is a name familiar to so many many in ag education, and uh, he had a big impact on FFA and Ag Ed in the state of Montana. But you know, as uh, time goes on, sometimes those important leaders that uh, their history gets forgotten. Could you maybe touch on on the legacy that he left, not only for you but for uh, Fergus of Lewistown FFA members in the state? Yeah, Mr. Schultz was—he was just one of those individuals, Lane, that that made a difference right away. He, his leadership, his uh, actually just his love for students and showing them probably the the career that they need to take in agriculture. He was one of oh, there was probably about four of them for the people like him around the state, but uh, he was definitely the leader. And anybody that went through his program, from when I went, I started it in 1962, and he continued to teach way beyond that and influenced uh, more kids than, than ever. And then he became a state legislator for <clears throat> for a term or two and uh, helped ag, ag education. And, and in those days, vocational education uh, continued to be the important classes for all the in those days, all the boys, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and so that's what made the difference to me. And uh, he was he was against girls coming into FFA, but uh, once once uh, that change was made, uh, he was then then bought in 100. percent But uh, as as well he should, and and we are so glad that <laughs> since 1969 that is that has been allowed in FFA all the way. At, so anyway, Mr. Schultz was was uh, just that type of, of, of person that I thought at the time, boy, uh, he has so much fun doing what he's doing. I think maybe I'll I'll give a shot at that. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what I did. Well, you know, you, you mentioned your your dad, uh, his folks buying a house in Lewistown for for them to go to school when, when he went to Fergus District. Fergus County District High School, right? Is that 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 was the official title 
before it I became think it Fergus was, High yes. School. Yeah. And uh, so obviously I'm a graduate of Fergus High School. And uh, so my grandpa, Vern Keller, he, uh, he, he grew up out in Ross Fork area. And uh-huh. um, his um, <clears throat> uncle Booker was the sheriff in Lewistown for, for quite a long time. And grandpa would have graduated uh, early 40s, I believe, from, from the high school in Lewistown. But uh, my first introduction into FFA was grandpa talking about being that country <clears throat> bumpkin from out at Ross Fork in between sure. uh, Denton and, and Moore out, out there in the, in, in the Judith Basin. And, and heading to town and, and uh, having to live in the oversized closets at the big house <laughs> across from the Calvert Hotel that oh. the Bookers lived in. The Bueller family now lives in that house. Uh, oh, darn. And uh, But uh, my grandpa's uncle was the sheriff there for Fergus County, and they, he and several other first cousins, when it was time for school, <clears throat> they, they'd go to town, and they, they lived uh, very close to the old high school, you know, um, right right there, uh, and, and had to stay in the closet, kind of like Harry Potter, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what he told me is that back then, if you were kind of a, a country kid, you weren't really accepted on, on the varsity sports teams. And uh, FFA was was kind of the calling at the time because it was farm, farm and ranch kids that were a part of it. And yep. they started their own basketball league and they had their own jerseys. And he goes, and we even beat the varsity team for Fergus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I, I and that was really in i remember him telling me he was the sentinel and that was really my first glimpse you know into ffa when i would have been in elementary school and and we actually found some old jerseys when we were going through some boxes that went when they moved from the old high school in the 1980s to the new high school in lewistown that boxes just they just put them into storage and, and they were never opened again and and my yeah. grandpa wasn't feeling I, he was he he was close uh, to, to passing away he'd been in the poor health for quite some time we found those jerseys and he goes and they were like a velvet mesh type of a deal and i said grandpa oh. does this kind of look like it and he goes well they could be but that was so long ago um be darn. but regardless if that was his ffa basketball jersey or not or if they were 20 30 years uh yep. newer than that i i actually have it framed in my office because it reminds me of him in my first introduction into FFA. Uh, yeah, so. hey, good for you, Wayne. That's an awesome story. <laughs> but yes. uh, I'm supposed to be interviewing you, and I'm on my soapbox right here. But, oh, that's uh, fine. <laughs> I was thinking uh, while you were visiting there that of the opportunities that, uh, you know, that your grandpa had, which weren't very many, and neither did neither my dad. In fact, when I was in uh, four years in high school, in FFA four years, Lane, I had – I had one trip to Bozeman to the Winter Fair. Mm-hmm. I had one trip to Bozeman for the state convention. And I had one trip to Kansas City for the national FFA convention. And those were my th- three trips out of Lewistown in four years for FFA. And now you're right. These these kids are in the last pandemic this this last time i mean they they have had to just about stay home as much as we did way back in the day yep. <laughs> yeah oh man that's and again it's just it, 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 transportation events just how the organization has changed and, and uh, as i kind of get us back on track um 
you mentioned that Mr. Schultz having an impact on you, you wanted to be an ag ed- educator. Um, obviously, Bozeman was the obvious choice, or, or did you think about other careers? Uh, what, what ultimately led you to Montana State uh, University? Well, you know, it's another just quick, quick story about that. When I graduated in 1966, of course, we were right in the middle of a Vietnam War, and so we we either just had to join the army and be a foot soldier, or if we went to college, then we got deferred for the four years, as long as we kept up uh, our grade point average. Uh, and so I thought, well, I'm just going to go to Bozeman, and because I wanted to to be an ag teacher, and that's of course where the classes are. And so that got me uh, signed up for Montana State University, and uh, and then I did. I went through the uh, uh, army portion of of the college experience at the time. Did four years of of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Lane? ROTC. Yep, ROTC, and and I also did the special forces portion of ROTC. So I did a lot of a lot of training to be uh, my my decision was. I wanted to be in the transportation corps in the army, so I wouldn't have to be a jungle <laughs> soldier. I could at least ride in a jeep. <laughs> so that was my thought, and and that's so I graduated a second lieutenant in 1970, as well as as well as uh, with my degree in ag education. So, yeah, interesting times. So, so uh, did you actually, Mr. J? I, I know we've talked about this. Did, did you actually deploy overseas then? I did not. Actually, uh, in 1970, we were waiting. Uh, we graduated in June in those days, and, and we were just waiting for our orders, yes, to go to, to to get our overseas trip to Vietnam. And President Nixon, you know, he's kind of my hero president, uh, he actually shut the war down in April. They started bringing troops home, and, and so they sent the message that said, hey, we, we have <laughs> – we have more second lieutenants than we can possibly use right now. And so give them the opportunity to, to uh, go to their training school and then add two more years of reserve duty. So, so that's what I was just fortunate, I guess, at that time to, to be able to, to do that. So Molly and I took off for Virginia, Fort Eustis and did our 90 day training in the, in the transportation corps and then came home. So, uh, and joined the, the, the reserves. So didn't have to go overseas. So I consider myself one of the, one of the lucky ones, but on the other hand, I admire so much all those that, that had to go and did their, did their duty. And some of them, uh, didn't turn, turn out that well, but, uh, yeah, that was, that's my story. <laughs> Well, definitely was a different time in history, and uh, and of course your time at at, at Montana State University. Uh, you and I do have a lot in common, of course. You, uh, yeah, both Fergus High grads, but also we were both members of the Alpha Gamma Rho Agriculture Fraternity. What what, what did it mean mean to you to be be a part of a, a fraternity that was like minded agriculture students or, or ag backgrounds there, and and what did it provide you while being in college, being in the fraternity? Wow. Yeah, the AGR house was was a lifesaver for me. You mentioned country bumpkins. Uh, that's basically what I was going into college and and joining the AGRs right off the bat. 
just gave me the the best leadership training that I had ever received. And uh, I even got to go to the National AGR Convention in Omaha. And so, yeah, it, it just, it gave me a, a path to success. I'll tell you, that was a, that was just perfect for my, what I needed in my life. So well, I, I was just thinking I, uh, cause I, I joined my, my spring semester. So that last semester I, I was a state officer yep. because in the fall, you know, I you know I was always told well, fraternities are this. This is the stereotype. You know, you know, oh, you don't want to do fraternity. Right. It's a bad deal. And, yeah, <laughs> uh, I I had certain individuals in Montana agriculture and just all over. You need to join. You need to join. Just calling you. And I, I, honestly, I got tired of getting recruited. And, and I'm not trying to be arrogant, but it's just like I I needed to go up. You know, actually go. You know, experience things and and see yep. it for myself. But it was actually the drive. Uh, you and I were coming back from Twin Bridges. <laughs> um, uh, we were down there uh, pitching the school board like we did several times that year to bring yep. ag education back to uh, the school there in Twin Bridges, Montana. And we, we were successful in that, of course. I might I might bring that up a little later, but we were driving, and uh, I had to get back for my Econ 101 <laughs> semester <laughs> test, and you actually talked about all the good it did you, and so I, I thank you for that conversation. Well, um, you're welcome. Because <laughs> then I did join that next spring, and Danny Pratt, who was a past state FFA officer from Miles City, was my big brother, and, you know, it was just a, a, a great uh, choice, and, and, you know, I, I kind of was a pretty, I, I would say, overconfident individual, you know, when you're a freshman and, and uh, in a leadership role. And, and I, yep. I, you know, it, it actually, it, it brings you down to earth when you can be around other people that are either outgoing, maybe a little more reserved. But I also consider myself a pretty outgoing introvert where I, I, I get the high of going out and meeting people. But then you also, after doing that, you, you almost need to like cool down and I don't want to go out and do anything. I'm fine just studying. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and it really, it, it brought a good balance into my life. Um, yeah, so. that's, well, that's good. You're welcome. I'm, I'm glad I talked you into that too. <laughs> but, um, you, you know, you made... by the way, Lane, the AGRs were the beneficiary of that visit then because uh, you did an awesome job. Uh, representing the, the AGR fraternity uh, and continuing your leadership roles, which has been amazing. Yeah, it was it, it was a great time, and I'm glad we finally got the funds raised for that uh, new the new remodel of the house. It was so much needed. Yes, for sure. Um, but you know, you mentioned your <clears throat> wife Molly, and for FFA students and for FFA advisors, their spouses are, are truly a second advisor for, for many chapters and many programs, just because ag education is very intensive. It's pretty much year round uh, between education and the classroom and fair time and, and, and projects. What, uh, 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 where, where did you meet Molly and uh, how long have you been together? Well, yeah, that's, a, that's another good story. She, she, uh, <clears throat> Uh, I just, well, I met her on a, on a blind date uh, uh, right before my, uh, it must have been the summer of my sophomore year in college. And so she was from Hobson. She had Mr. Gore, although it, uh, uh, she was never in FFA. And so I took uh, a good uh, chance. We met in July of 68 and we were married in in August of 69. So we've been, we've been married for 50, 
one years. And uh, you're right about the, the wife needing, uh, you know, needing to just be there to raise your family because the ag teachers tend to be gone, like you say, a lot. And I was. Uh, I did a lot of a lot of things in my FFA career in in uh, Grass Range where I taught my first two years and then and then Conrad for 23 more. So, yeah, I was gone a lot and she she's always just been right there in my, you know, rooting for me, <laughs> yep. which is which is very, very fortunate. And uh, uh, you have to have a wife that does that if you're going to going to be working with kids uh, like you say, almost 24 seven. So, yep. uh, yeah, <clears throat> I've been writing down some of my, some of my stories of trips and whatnot. <laughs> and I go and I told Molly, I said, how did you, how did you put up with me being gone that much? <laughs> uh, well, so I guess it was, yeah, I guess it was true love at first sight and still is. So wow, that... very fortunate. Well, that's incredible. And, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, teaching in Grass Range. Where, where did you do your, your student teaching at? I did my student teaching in Columbus. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> Don Owen was the teacher there. And he was one of the, uh, again, he was another Jim Schultz for the kids in that in that school. He he was just an outstanding, outstanding man. Never got married, but uh, he... He was always, you know, he'd always tease Molly about about being married to me, and <laughs> it was so we 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 bonded. We were great friends always. So yeah, so that's where I student taught, and and I still have good friends uh, from when I student taught there. Even so, that was a. Teaching ag, uh, Lane, as you know, is it's if you do a good ag program, it's it is part of the community, mm-hmm. and so you you do know that I believe the ag teachers know more people in in their community than than any other teacher does, and because we visit kids in the summer, we go to their homes for their check out their uh, supervised projects, and so we we get that program lined out in the community and and uh, just get to know a lot of people so well well you mentioned grass range um what what was it like going to it to a small town you know pretty much 30 minutes away from where you graduated high school what was the experience <laughs> like there uh, in, in uh, grass range montana yeah and grass range was it was the experience was awesome because of the uh, it was very small but uh, uh they had a they had drug in an old schoolhouse, country schoolhouse, put it next to the to their high school, and and so that's that was my egg program, <laughs> <laughs> and it was oh they had a welding area there, uh, and it was only they'd had a halftime teacher for two years, and then I came in full time, but uh, they had a the welding area lane was it was linoleum, <laughs> and. There were burn holes in the floor, and so I told my superintendent, I said, man, I've got to put some concrete down on there. And he's going, 
yeah, I'll, I'll help you. So we, I mean, like the next day we're, <laughs> we're mixing the concrete ourselves and hauling it in with a wheelbarrow, putting it down. He's a man. I hope this floor holds up. I'm going, yeah, so do I. <laughs> so that's what we did. The first, first two weeks of my job or less, I was putting in a concrete floor for the welding department. And of course it had the three rooms. So we had the welding in one room, woodworking in the other room and then the classroom. And mm-hmm. so it was the people lane, uh, Man, they were nice, nice community to deal with. I did adult ed for the for the adults in the community, and which it was fun. And so I still have friends from from that era. Yep. Well, that uh, grass range is where my my sister and her husband call home. Um, oh, she, my sister teaches first and second grade there. She's taught there mm. over twenty years. God and, bless her. Yep, and uh, yeah, my my brother in law, his mother's side is, is from there. Matovich is their last name. So really, yep. So there's a lot of um, Jean Matovich uh, uh, Bantz uh, is uh, my brother in law's mother, and she was a school cook there for. For, for quite a few years, but uh, Matovich family huh. being a very big uh, ranching family there in Grass Range. For so, sure. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I had uh, I had a couple of the Matovich girls in my program at that time, and so that was that was very fun. So those yeah. would have been my brother-in-law's aunts, I guarantee it. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. I'll be darn. Matilda, Matilda and Helen, they were Yep. They were good. Yep. Matilda Those... was one of the best bas- girls basketball players ever. And of course they didn't have girls sports yet. And mm-hmm. so she, but they had a little town team, so to speak, and played, but yeah. Matovich has run run deep out there. Yep, those are those are my brother-in-law's aunts. And, and Tilda, of course, she used to always drive the bus for Richie at all of the FFA events, too. That was the next time I saw her. Yep. <laughs> was, she was driving the was We had quite a conversation because of that, yes. Yep. Well, and actually, I'm going to ask, obviously, about Conrad, but... Uh, um, the Grass Range FFA program just got up a few year up and running again a few years ago, and now a, a Conrad native is now the teacher in Grass Range. That is very true. So I just think that's kind of coming whole full circle here. But uh, what what yeah. led you what what led you up to uh, to to Conrad there up in the Golden Triangle? Well, <clears throat> when I uh, stopped teaching in Grass Range, I went back to the family farm there north of. Lewistown and and Molly and I helped run the family ranch for seven years, and so once my back was always has always been bad, and so once I de- determined that I had a defect that kept me from bending over much, I said, "Well, I got to quit the ranching," and so went back to college at MSU and got my master's degree started and. In that spring, there was there was only two Class B schools available, and that's what I had determined uh, that I wanted to teach. That was a little bigger school, and so I I had got an interview at Conrad and interview in Malta with your great uncle, uncle, great yep, uncle, yeah, yep, yep. yeah. And uh, so Lane, I went against your great uncle, and I took the job in Conrad, and <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Oh boy, we we absolutely fell in love with Conrad and, and still are, and great community, great kids. So we we were very fortunate. 
So, so what, uh, what, I might've missed that. What year did, did you start then in Conrad? I started, uh, in 1980. Okay. And yep. then how long did you teach there then? I taught there and for 23. So in 2003, I, I got my 25 years of teaching and I thought if I'm ever going to do anything else in this world, I better, I better stop at that and see what else is available. And my good friend Van Channelhammer had just retired from M- MSU. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> they hired me to teach his classes for a year while they looked for a new uh, professor to take over. And so teaching after Dr. Shellhammer retired, uh, uh, what was that experience like? Well, uh, yeah, teaching after teaching high school for 25 years, uh, go to the college level. Uh, the kids are just, they're just different because the, I had a whole class of 60 in the leadership class and every one of them, every one of them, Lane, uh, was like on the edge of their seat to, to listen to the class and what I was telling them. And they were, I'll just put it this way. They were interested in what I had to say <laughs> and, uh, anxious to, to learn. And, and, uh, I had speaking, they had speaking things to do. And so they, they just were awesome. And so you didn't have any of the, well, I don't want to do this today and I don't want to do that and I don't like you. And, and so it was just a, it was just a, a good experience uh, to end my, my teaching on. And so, uh, but I'll tell you this too, Lane, if I was to hit the rewind button and go back, uh, high school is still where I would teach again. I, I, I loved teaching high school kids and, and showing them the the world, so to speak, of agriculture. So, uh, but yeah, that was a great experience uh, at the college level. Well, and jumping back, you know, to your experience, your 23 years in Conrad, what were some of the significant <clears throat> changes you saw maybe in curriculum or just uh, a different uh, maybe contest that, that came up along the way on the FFA and that uh, change from when you first started teaching or even student teaching to, to where you uh, ended your high school teaching career in the early two thousands. Well, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of positive changes uh, just in the curriculum itself. Uh, but uh, I, I had a great advisory council and great alumni. And so I, I, uh, I taught a lot of business skills, emphasized agronomy because it's in Conrad's in the golden triangle and, and started a seminar, uh, that still goes today. I'm very proud of that. The crops and mechanics seminar. You probably Mm -hmm. attended that lane time or two or three. Uh, and so then, you know, I, one of the, my proudest efforts of course was to start the ag sales contest, uh, went to a national FFA training on, how to do and how to how to train kids in in becoming salespeople and I remember uh, you probably won that Lane I would be a guest I, I still remember you in the high school uh, FFA jacket and your gate my fen- <laughs> you know, your, my fencing yeah. tool yeah yeah your fencing tool I still remember uh, talking to you about that back in those days and uh, one thing I loved was getting to know other kids from other chapters and. So I started that, and and with the, I think the one of the 
most important ones I started was the Ag Issues Forum. That was something I added to not only my curriculum in Conrad, but it became and still is a state a state contest, uh, all generated from the fact that I went to the border up at Sweetgrass to film. Uh, the farmers up there were having us, uh, they were going to block the interstate to keep the trucks and and whatnot from Canada to coming down to sell their cattle and, and wheat in, in the, the U.S. And so I just went up to uh, film that so I could use what the farmers said uh, in my class. And on my way back from doing that, and that was quite an interesting day, <laughs> uh, I decided, wow, they didn't have anything uh, to say about the Canadians so they only knew one side of the issue, and mm-hmm. that was that it must those imports must be destroying our markets. And so going back, I, I thought FFA needs to have a contest in that particular area. And so I got back, and of course we didn't have much internet or anything back then. But I looked in the national guide, and I go, no, national FFA already has. <laughs> And I guess use forum, and so I got that started in in our state, and utilized that to a big degree in my FFA because I thought, man, it's the perfect thing for kids to study both sides of the issue, and then allow anybody that listens to them to make up their own mind. And so that's what I loved about that, and I still think maybe that should be the most important contest that FFA offers in today's world because mm-hmm. i know there's, there's not a lot of chapters that compete in it i'm going well that's a missed opportunity for teachers to to not do that but yeah yep. that's those are a couple things that come immediately to mind well the, the sales competition i know that's even changed in the last uh, uh, 10 plus years yep. and because you have to yep. sell one product across the board and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to tell you my first game. Of course, I started. Uh, I started the sales contest in Montana, and and so my kids were a little further ahead than others, and so we won the very first state title in that and got to go compete nationally. But that was that was the only one, Lane. <laughs> <laughs> other chapters stepped up and took over. So yep. Well, uh, you, you know, one thing that I re- I picked up on uh, in talking about uh, your success in the Conrad School District was having an advisory council and, and a supportive alumni. Um, you know, some some schools maybe that are new to Ag Ed where they, they're getting a program for the first time or maybe they haven't had one in several decades. It, it can be hard for a teacher, and most of the time it's going to be a newer teacher that's maybe fresh out of college that are coming into these smaller programs. And specifically, I'm thinking Class C schools in Montana, where sure. where maybe the community members don't understand all all the things that an ag teacher does, whether that is the animal hus- husbandry aspect of it, the uh, plant science, the mechanics. And really, these programs need to be shaped on what the needs of the school district and community are. And uh, a lot of these small towns are, of course, mechanic and welding-based uh, needs. Uh, right. uh, if you're going to take a poll between uh, farmers and ranchers in these rural communities. But what are your tips for 
the new ag teacher and trying to form an advisory board and an alumni? And what are your tips for the actual advisory board members and the alumni members so each party isn't too overbearing and overstepping their bounds, but being the resource that, that, that is essential in helping the, the, the program succeed? Sure, that's a great question. Great question. And, and so the, we're talking uh, an advisory committee, council, uh, that every teacher, in my opinion, it is a must. That is what keeps your program involved in the, and makes it a community uh, program, not just a separated, another school uh, activity. So, yeah, the tip there is uh, the teacher has to get, understand the importance of it, and then you, the the people you put on your committee, are very important. You need, uh, you need someone in the mechanics area if you, if you're going to teach mechanics. So you need, you need somebody in that particular uh, career on your committee, and then as well as others. If you're going to teach a lot of uh, farm business management, for instance, then you should have a banker on your on your committee and you teach a lot of agronomy you need some of the agronomists in your in your uh, community and so you you select your committee very carefully and then you meet and you don't meet very often we always met uh, twice a year is all and enough to then i would show the committee my curriculum they can make changes they can recommend changes to to make sure you're committee is or your uh, your program is teaching what the community needs but more importantly lane it builds the support of the community because these people they go home and say oh wow uh mr jamerson's teaching this and that and boy isn't that awesome and and, and so it they it just builds the, the support for your community a good example was uh my superintendent after a few years in conrad he decided maybe my summer contract was really not that important. Uh, and so he, he, uh, he was the kind of guy though, that he went out into the community and asked the community what, what they thought of my summer contract. And he came and told me, he said, boy, <laughs> I asked that too many people. And I, uh, I was, I got this, the answer was do not touch that ag program it is worth every penny of our taxes and so he he commended me uh, for having that type of a of support built Mm -hmm. in the community and so i think young teachers they just you just have to do that Uh, that is the critical thing in fact i've been on the belgrade advisory council for many years and and uh, go to school board meetings and uh keep just they just need to be reminded of how important that program is and uh, and then as far as the alumni man i uh they they're totally separate anyway and although there may be people on your in your alumni that are on the advisory council but the the alumni they they are there to be cheerleaders for your ffa and help you with uh, judging, they become your judges, and 
uh, other things that your program needs. Some 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 schools even use alumni to help train their their competitive teams mm-hmm. and things. That you, but yeah, so they're they're two separate but very important parts of every program. Well, and it, if, go ahead. Well, and, and you know, you mentioned. Um, they're separate, and I I know cases where where some some teachers have actually, you know, run into circumstances where they haven't had the best relationship with either an advisory council or an alumni, and and really, the the best thing about that is it's probably a break a breakdown in communication in most of those cases. But um, you mentioned having the support from these community leaders of the programs because. There, there might be a new superintendent in town or, or new people to a school board that don't understand the intercurricular workings of FFA right. and ag education. And, you know, you mentioned my great uncle Jim Nordland up in Malta and, and everyone. I, I, he passed before, before I, I, I uh, was born, actually, just about a year before oh. I passed from, from – uh, from yeah. cancer, and he, when you talk to guys like uh, Milford Worley, who taught in Malta for a while, or yep. um, Dave Kelsey, who student taught up in Malta. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, and he taught up there too. I think yeah, um, I as, believe he did. Yes, and um, and to hear them talk about just how supportive that that uh, Jim Nordland was of these programs. Well, he grew up on a farm and ranch. <laughs> he understands sure, that. Sure. But, you know, some of these superintendents <clears throat> don't understand FFA and Ag Ed, and that's why anyone that's listening, it's so important to be engaged with your local programs and knowing who your uh, uh, school leadership is and who the superintendent and principals are because it can really – hamper a student's opportunity to experience FFA to, to the fullest extent. Yep. That's very true. Lane got that exactly right. And I was thinking, uh, as I was talking uh, before the ag teacher, once you get once you get your advisory council, uh, which equals your curriculum, once you get that lined out and you get all your FFA activities lined out, I always said, I can leave Conrad schools and the program will continue the way it was because everything is just in place it's just a new a new teacher directing the, the show mm-hmm. and and that definitely has worked in that in that school so yep very important for these young teachers if they're uh, going to be successful long term which I hope they are yep <laughs> that they institute those basic simple basic steps yep well, and Very as critical. as we come back uh, to to your experience when you when you moved down here and taught uh, uh, as a, in a in a teaching role in the College of Agriculture, um, how did you get on on the lead of becoming the the state FFA advisor? If I recall right, did you do some banking in between that as well, or am I making that up? No, you're right. <clears throat> I was uh, actually after I finished my teaching college then I went back and I had, we, we had never moved to Bozeman. And so I'm back in Conrad and, and looking for my next opportunity, so to speak. And then the, the Stockman bank gave me a call and asked me if I'd want to be a bank loan officer for a while. And I said, wow, that was my second option when I graduated from college was being a banker. And so I took that, opportunity and and it was there almost a year 
uh, when the state FFA changed direction and <clears throat> instead of having an executive secretary and a ag ed supervisor in Helena and the executive secretary was in Bozeman, they switched it up, kept their, kept their office in Helena, but added the state advisorship to the executive secretary's job and opened that. And then I'm going, oh, I think maybe I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I applied and, and was accepted. And, and Molly and I, uh, I gave her about a week and we moved out of our house and <laughs> Conrad <laughs> rented in Bozeman. And so we've been renting here for holy cow, since 2005. But you you are renting in a very nice location, as you said yes. there at Carter's, a beautiful beautiful farm, um, a yep. fellow AGR as well. Um, exactly, um, <laughs> and state FFA officer Frank was a state FFA officer yep. back in the fifties, also. Yep. Well, so so you you uh, you come into this pretty much a newly created role um, as the state advisor, um, located on the campus of Montana State University. What was it like uh, going from, you know, a, a teaching aspect of it from your, your time in a high school classroom and a college classroom as well to now try almost being not quite a chaperone, but still being, being a, a mentor and a leader for the state association and for, you know, I, I know it was, uh, <laughs> Uh, the the number of state officers has changed over the years, but uh, essentially eight adolescent, mostly freshmen and college students. <laughs> yep. Well, that was a yeah, that was very interesting uh, change, and uh, I moved. We we started September first of two thousand and five as when the job started. So we moved down here, and then. Uh, you know, five days later, I'm on the road with my half of my first officer team doing district leadership schools. And uh, interesting story there, my first team, uh, we're, our first school was in Wolf Point. And so I popped four of them into the car and a uh, little van and we, we headed to Wolf Point. And I did not know where the high school was, of course, never been to Wolf Point. And uh, so I stopped at a grade school and there was a Native American man in a suit outside and said, well, we'll just pull up and ask him where the high school is. And and my state officer is my shotgun. I told him to roll down the window and ask the gentleman where the high school was. And uh, he just kind of sat there and like he didn't hear me, I said, uh, I won't give away his name, but he he would not open, he would not roll down his window. And he finally turned to me and he said, Mr. Jamerson, he says, I'm afraid of him. And so that set me on my my goal of getting Native American Indian schools uh, with a better relationship with FFA. So I started the, that's when I started the FFA American Indian program, which has been a very successful part of our state and uh i even at, at the just to finish that one i even got a chance to take uh earl old person the chief earl from the blackfeet tribe uh, he went to the national ffa convention as was a speaker mm -hmm. uh for one of the 
programs that they they had there and then uh, come to find out he was he was a member of the Browning FFA back in the early 50s himself yep and, and Browning had a tremendously strong FFA at that at that time and actually performed at the, on the national stage twice uh, one is for the victory convention after World War II so so anyway that that kind of got me started in being a state advisor and so I just kind of I don't know Lane it was an easy trans transformation for me to to do that of course you I got to travel with the eight cream of the crop FFA members in yep. the state for <laughs> so it was a pretty it was fun I enjoyed that a lot well Mr. Jay I'm glad you brought up the the Native American program that you helped spearhead and start here on the state level then later on it, it went on to the national level but um, that that's one thing I think that's so important for FFA members and you brought it up is to be exposed to different cultures to different societies to to be immersed in an urban setting versus a rural setting and for for a state officer to be like i i'm fearful because i have not been on a reservation yeah. before most likely and, and i i you know in not saying in not trying to put them in a bad light they just weren't exposed to that but by exactly. going but just by going and having a conference there their their whole life i i guarantee it changed and they saw the world in a different better light and, right. and I think that is the remarkable thing about FFA and, and a reminder that the future farmers of America ceased to be in 1988 in the National FFA, organiz National FFA yep. organization. That was the name of the, the, the new entity after that to show a, a, you know, a more inclusive, a diverse uh, membership. And it wasn't just for farm and ranch kids. It was for everyone. And, yep. um, and you mentioned accompanying uh, Chief Earl Old Person to the National FFA Convention. That was either my state officer year or the year that I ran for national office uh, when the Browning uh, when, when chapter came down and when when uh, when Chief Earl um, presented there. Um, right. Because I remember we were we were down <laughs> on the floor there for that. But um, how many students from inner city Chicago that are FFA members that come from a, a majority black community? had ever been exposed to Native American culture. And, exactly. And vice versa. That's that's why I, I just think to focus on the, the positive change and the opportunities that students get. Because I think there is that stigma that, that FFA is just for hicks from the sticks. I, I've heard that yeah. from people before. Uh, but for myself, I've been exposed to, to so many different situations being in agriculture education classrooms in inner city Chicago myself and, and meeting kids that have never seen, you know, more <laughs> than, than two or three cows at a time. But, exactly, ha yeah. but having that, um, the, the FFA mission and motto all in common, it, it does, it brings you together. Um, yes. And so I, and I was going to bring up the, the Native American program that you did spearhead, but I, I'm glad you brought that up. And so in your term as a state FFA advisor, what were some of the opportunities that uh, you thought so important for the eight leaders, these young leaders that were state officers that they get to experience? What were some of the things that maybe you helped to uh, uh, create on that? And, you know, I'm thinking like the commodity tour that we took to Portland or, or just the travel opportunities to put these young people into situations that they had never been in before to make them better. 
Yeah, and I think you hit right on the my number one would be the the commodity tour. Uh, that was started when I was in Conrad, and the top agronomy team got a chance to go uh, tour and follow the grain, and so then uh, all the way to Portland and back, and opportunities for kids to go to the wheat marketing center and and meet with teams of buyers and and millers from other countries uh, and so that as state advisor that's uh, i expanded what had been done to include the trip to actually to portland and uh, i mean we i don't know Lane, if you got to go up into the elevator down in the Tri-Cities there in Washington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, on, just on the belt sorts. elevator, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, that actually made me a little nervous, but <laughs> here's all my officers hanging on for dear life, getting smoked up to the top of that elevator. But uh, those are just those are just experiences that that – are just absolutely important in the development of not only yourself, but other, all the other state officers. And they got to do, uh, you know, that was kind of a main thing for, for me to plan and, and, and take in the summer. Uh, we always started in great falls and had a chance to meet with the Montana wheat barley committee. Oh, the Montana grain growers, uh, and, and work our way out, following it all the way from Missoula, taking that horrible road over to Lewiston and, mm-hmm. and then on out. So uh, we even, uh, a lot of my trips, we went up to the vet school at uh, Washington State, got tours of, of the vet school and and a few of my state officers have, are now veterinarians. Yep. I don't know if it's because of that, but they got a chance to to see that and so yeah i would just i would say lane just uh there's so many opportunities in ffa from the local level all the way up to the state level developing young people into the leaders for agriculture and i always said you know america got it right back in the 20s and 30s when they decided that we better offer uh, leadership for our kids and they started 4-H and then a few years later started FFA and our kids in America are based on sound leadership potential and I'll never forget the uh, the education administrator for Iraq he was at came to the national convention in uh, that I think was in Indianapolis and he just stood on the stage and watched uh, a whole session of FFA, <clears throat> and I'm thinking, boy, that's what they need in Iraq. Instead of giving those kids guns, give them some education. Yep. And so, yeah. Anyway, FFA is just like the most amazing, most amazing tool for kids to learn from ever developed. So, very proud to have been part of that. Well, and also your son, Jason, he, he was very active in FFA as well, a, a state officer, ran for national office as well. And, and uh, uh, he, you know, he, he has a very successful career and his careers have been more, more or less still linked to agriculture as well. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was. I could brag on him a little because he <laughs> he was one of those kids that I that I always, you know, I've never I've never been a good speaker, uh, and but Jason is one of those that just had it to begin with, and uh, I, I realized that when we were in Portland, he he went on one of my trips to the West Coast in high school, and when he was a freshman, and uh, he just stood up at the end, and uh, we had taken the Japanese trade team some gifts and uh he just he stood up in front of the, <laughs> the whole group there and, and just profusely thanked them and then he had to wait of course they had some uh, uh had to wait for an interpreter to, to say what he was saying and he just i mean it was like oh my gosh i said i didn't have any idea <laughs> and so it's part of his skill was just natural but uh yeah he he was an excellent excellent ffa officer and including the state presidency and uh, now has a great job with AMVAC, American Vanguard, in putting together GPS uh, ma- ma- materials for the com- for his company called Simpass. And so, yeah, he's, he's using everything he learned to great advantage for the American farmer. Mm-hmm. Well, what what else maybe just uh oh actually uh, one thing I had written on that uh, piece of paper that I seems to have just floated away here for me um <laughs> was um the work that was done around my senior year of high school and that was uh expanding funding for agriculture education programs uh for 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 a time to to get more programs started to have funding available for 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 these teachers to come in and and have a successful program could you talk about the the uh, legislative process there um and how that will grow uh programs yeah it has grown programs and and it was a uh, national FFA did a NQPS National Quality Program Standards seminar that I went to <clears throat> as state advisor and, and took a little team. And so they came up with a way to evaluate every ag program. And uh, so they came up with all of the program standards that a good program should have. And so uh, we were trained on how to do this. And so I went to help the training and teachers would do this with their superintendent and principal and uh, a community member, advisory council member, and they would score their program. And then based on the, the scores, they would pick the weakest link in their program and come up with ideas at this meeting to improve and make their program better. That was happening, and at the same time, I thought, boy, wouldn't it be great? The state really should fund this program, and uh, so I met with with uh, the leaders of the ag teachers, and uh, we came up with a, a plan to take to the legislature to see if they would fund these programs and, and have money to start new programs and uh, improve the ones we have and uh, Taylor Brown you know who I'm talking about <laughs> everybody does but Taylor Brown was was in the uh, Senate I believe at that time and he was on the committee that we that we spoke for and and she had all kinds of kids lined up to to talk to the to the committee and uh, <clears throat> Taylor just uh, he had that committee vote that same day 
lean on on whether they the state should fund this and <laughs> which is never done on the same day but they voted to give us the money and and the rest is history we have we are still funded mm-hmm. through the through the program and and every new school every school that wants to start an ag program gets a certain amount of money and and the t- the programs get they have to go through their evaluation and then they get uh, so much money it seems like it's like around 1500 bucks to incorporate that new change to make their program better so yes i'm glad you brought that up that was quite a quite a deal in our funding history for mm-hmm. uh, getting better programs yes and it'd be so many other states could not get that done um, and maybe they no. can someday, but just, it shows the, the, I guess the uniqueness of coming from a smaller state, but, uh, coming from a state that's number one industry is agriculture. And I, I remember I testified there that day, Mr. Long, yeah, my, my good. teacher yeah. drove us over there and the old, uh, I think we were driving a Cadillac that broke down that day, actually, <laughs> that some, some, some benefactor donated their old, their old, uh, Cadillac DeVille, I think was the brand or something. And it broke down, like going through the pass or something on the way back from the testimony. But, um, <laughs> oh, me darn. Yeah, just things you remember. Um, <clears throat> yeah. but, you know, I mean that, that getting that opportunity just as an FFA member to go testify and share my experience. I mean, it, it, just the opportunities oh. that FFA provides. Um, it, it truly is amazing. Well, yeah. And, and the thing about legislation, uh, you just, you have to hope all your all the people kind of fall in place. You know, I mean, we had Taylor Brown, uh, we had kids like yourself that would talk anybody into anything. Uh, <laughs> and the legislature, they they love kids and they love programs that help kids become better leaders. So they 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 love not only FFA but BPA, and, and you were a big part of that too. Yep. They yep. Uh, FCCLA, they just love helping. Um, provide kids with these leadership opportunities. So, yep. but everything came together and that was, we went, we, uh, we had 75 chapters when we got this funding going. And now, I don't know, Lane, there's like almost a hundred. Yep. So, yep. Just amazing to see, to see these new chapters pop up and uh, impact right. all these students' lives. But, you know, speaking of, uh, having an impact, who would you say had the biggest impact on your life? Maybe not just an FFA in general, but but in your life, who who had the biggest impact on on just the life that you lived? Boy, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great question. I hadn't ever thought about that, uh, and I don't know that I can answer. You know, maybe Leonard Lombardi might be a, a great answer. Uh, Leonard was the state advisor during my whole teaching career, uh, and he always he would say uh, he would call me, Bill. Uh, Leonard, do you want to go to this ag sales meeting in wherever Denver, I think it was, and learn and bring that contest back to Montana? And he was just the, the quiet, the the leader that that everybody he still is the most respected state advisor that our state has had, you know, and so uh, probably Leonard might be the the best answer for mm-hmm. me. Yep. 
no, definitely had a big impact. And uh, his son mm-hmm. obviously still continues that legacy in, in egg education. Yeah, um, I'll tell you one thing about uh, Bill Lombardi there. He's still at Deer Lodge. And uh, I always have told him and ranted about how he, how he teaches. It's uh, to me, he's like possibly the best ag teacher in Montana. There's some, there's some great ones. <laughs> and he's, he's always right up there. He's, he amazes me what he gets done and, mm-hmm. and not only the teaching, but then he, he and his wife, of course, have adopted kids from all over the world. And uh, he's a, he's an amazing, amazing yep. person to visit with. And... Yep. <clears throat> well, and, and I wasn't, you know, I just, I, uh... You know, one of the people that truly, I think, changed my life, and, and it's still tied to FFA, was, you know, our friend Sam Cornthwaite, who's no longer with us. And, True, yep. And I bring that up because Sam was just so inclusive with people, and, and he truly was a, a, an individual that was kind of off on a, on a different path before Jim Rose and Shields Valley FFA found him. Um He and, was. Yep. <laughs> and um, just to see somebody that truly... You know, there's some kids that become state officers and they maybe don't enjoy it to the full extent or they don't participate in everything or they, you know, maybe they're burdened by the task of it. And Sam wasn't, you know, Sam, Sam enjoyed zipping up that FFA jacket every chance he could. And, and I guess the biggest thing is he, he encouraged me to become active in FFA and actually run for a state office. I, I wasn't sold on running for a state office, but what I learned from Sam is, you know, I, I, I'll still scratch my head. All the, all the brilliant marketing plans that he had in his fly rod oh. company and everything. Yeah. He could be a multimillionaire living in Bozeman now, but you oh, know, I know, he took the selfless route to help others. And for the folks listening today, Sam was a state officer, uh, two years before I was, um, and, uh, just, you know, was the type of kid that really wasn't cut out for college. He, he, he wanted to go out there and be an entrepreneur and, you know, he, he tragically died of, uh, pancreatitis in China. Um, they, I mean, just something that here in the States probably would have been diagnosed and treated right away, but he started a coffee shop for orphans and children with disabilities in China and gave them jobs and gave them purpose. And I don't know how many other people out there would be that selfless to, you know, live on pennies and and give everything you make uh, to a nonprofit in a country that doesn't care about those that are orphans or have disabilities. And, you know, I just think we could all, you know, live, live by that model, especially in today's time of just caring more for people. And and that's probably, you know, why Sam had such a big impact on my life. And I miss him dearly. Um, I have trinkets at his, that, that uh, his mom gave me, um, that were dear to him. And it's a reminder every day, um, of the impact he had on my life. But, uh, you know, FFA, FFA truly opened his eyes to the world and, and turned him into the young man that he was. You got that right. I was <clears throat> one of my highest honors, of course, was being his state advisor and traveling. And yeah, he, he in fact, he started the leadership programs that are still offered today at the Mm -hmm. state level and you know yeah sam was he was an amazing talented kid and and you're right he he was not in it to make a million he was in it to help (laughs) other kids so yeah yeah well that's a good story lane i'm I'm glad i kind of forget you know the impact he had on kids even even 
like you so that's pretty cool in the and like you said the impact he's having today from from the the ag tour that <laughs> was was a brainchild of his officer team to what is now the gold conference i know he kind of started uh, the kind of training and leadership programs that weren't even necessarily a part of ffa at the time but they needed to be and and uh but yeah, I, you know, and and I, you know, someday I hope to uh, memorialize him through scholarships and whatnot down the road. But uh, you know, speaking of scholarships, are, are you still on the FFA Foundation board for Montana? You know, Elaine, I I can tell you, I just I just resigned off of that board a, a month ago, so I'm uh, no longer part of that board. But I I I enjoyed my few years as being a member of that so they work so hard Kurt Robbins is such a pre- good president and the rest of the team there holy cow yep they do a good job for uh Montana FFA kids I'll tell you they they do well Mr. J I know we've been talking for actually quite quite a while it's I, I can't believe we've been chatting this long but uh no I'll let you get back to your day but hey is there anything else as we look at this uh, national FFA week just anything you would just like to share with folks whether current past or or supporters of FFA well uh yeah I can just just re-emphasize the fact that that FFA is a program that is is truly one of the best opportunities for kids to join and to for people to you know support that do do more than they than they have been if they can and and make sure that this FFA program continues to be as viable and important as we move <clears throat> through these tenuous times here so yeah that's that's my story Lane I'm <clears throat> very uh Happy to get a chance to visit with you. Well, again, thanks for for sharing just a, a part of that that uh, long and storied career you had as a uh, an ag education teacher, a state FFA advisor, a, a short stint as a banker. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> and now uh, a, a grandpa, some awesome grandkids, and uh, enjoying retirement here in the Galton Valley. But uh, thank you, Mr. Jimerson, so much for joining us here today and telling just a part of your story. Hey, Bet Lane, thank you for thinking of me. You are so very welcome. Again, a great conversation with Bill Jimerson on his career as an agriculture educator and state FFA advisor for Montana here in the past few years. That will do it for today's Agriculture Conversation. For more information, make sure and visit my new website. It is totally rebranded. Visit NordlandCommunications.com. I look forward to joining you next time on the Agriculture Conversation on the Lancast Ag Podcast. Have a great day. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.